0: Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Well, this week and next week, I'm going to be looking at two lovely exhibitions that are both well worth a look. And I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to swap the information around as one exhibition runs on a few more months than the other. So last week, I told you about a super exhibition on local indigenous traditions and culture. If you don't mind waiting a week, I'll have that one on next week and you can look at it online for the next six months. So this week is an exhibition that you can go to and have a look at until February the 27th at Wattis Fine Art Gallery in Hollywood Road. Jonathan Wattis has been an antiquarian dealer here since the 1980s, and this is his 32nd Annual Mapping of Asia exhibition with antique and vintage maps from the 16th to the 20th century. These include an Air France Art Deco map, an aerial view map, at a time before aeroplanes, a superb tourist map of Peiping or Beijing before industrialisation, and a 1945 street map of Shanghai, so just after the war. And then we have a few of Hong Kong, of course, as I chat with Jonathan Wattis at the gallery in
1: Hollywood Road, run by Jonathan and his wife, Vicky. Year by year, it changes. So, for instance, last year, we were lucky enough to get a collection of maps from somebody who had been collecting maps of Macau and the Pearl River Delta. And so that was the focus last year. It does actually depend on what we have found throughout the year because generally we would be using new material. But now, having been here for so long... It means that we can pull out things from drawers which maybe complement each other. One of the difficulties with actually showing an exhibition is hanging things side by side because they look a bit of a jumble. So sometimes you take an aesthetic view and put them side by side or sometimes you say, well, let's put four city plans side by side. These days, I think we tend to try and do it in a way that we have a cross-section, like a potpourri of things from different centuries and from different countries. So, for instance, this year, I've actually liked to think that we've got a few other maps which were, say, published in Asia, as well as being published in Europe or America.
0: Yes, Yes, because, I mean, uh, often the early cartographers are coming in from Europe, aren't they?
1: Yes, they are, because those are the maps and charts and plans that I've been able to access through the trade or through auction or through collectors. But we must remember that there are genres of maps from different countries. So uh, the Japanese had a a map-making tradition before they opened to the West, and China had a map-making tradition. India also, but there was the sort of colonial period with the um, India office, the mapping of India office. And so there were maps produced then, but that was a colonial period. But they're still produced in India by Indian artisans. And, uh, you know, maps were also being produced in Hong Kong as early as the 19th century and even in the 20th century for commercial purposes.
0: I think it's fascinating because you're also going to see different ways. I mean, what I've seen with you sometimes is these hydrographic charts. So this is very much the Royal Navy of Britain or also the East India Company. And this is very much a set purpose. It's make sure that the ships have a, a good sense of their geography in order to get somewhere. Some of the earlier ones I've always liked the dragons or the mystical or the huge whales or whatever you know this sort of rather frightening big ocean out there where they haven't discovered things yet with say the japanese i mean i'm making a very wide-ranging question but with the japanese way historically of doing their maps what, what things have you recognized there i mean in terms of paper in terms of ink style
1: well, uh, the Japanese have a very significant aesthetic. They have a very beautiful method of printing, and they use very vivid colours. So we, we know, for instance, that the Japanese made beautiful woodblock prints of people and landscapes, Mount Fuji. And, uh, and these were influential uh, when, when these were... Collected in Europe in the 19th century, and even collected the great artists like Van Gogh, who had a fantastic collection of of Japanese woodblock prints, and that Did he influenced really? him. Had amazing. There was a big collection at the Van Gogh Museum. There was an exhibition purely on his prints and its influence, which was on about three years ago in in the Van Gogh Museum, which we fortunately visited. And there were so many prints, and he didn't necessarily have the best copy of them, but he had ones and examples by the great masters. Um, condition was another issue. Anyway, so there's this sense of the Japanese produced beautiful prints, and so that's also crossed over into their maps. So you get these pretty-looking maps, yeah. if you like, because they're beautifully printed. And, and mainly they're printed in, in, in woodblock, but sometimes also they use steel engraving. And then, then, of course, you'll get the more functional maps, which can be black and white, like the military maps could be black and white, Yeah.
0: I find whenever I visit one of your exhibitions I mean there's so many different areas for me of of joyful discovery in the sense that there'll be something that's rare that you've never seen before which I won't trigger yet because I won't know that it's rare yet Um, but also the beauty literally of, of some of these maps which I have to say maybe I'm shallow but but I sort of, sort of think, oh, that looks nice on the wall. There'll be those that are coming in perhaps with a naval background who, who, who love the hydrographic chart. I'm always so impressed by these early explorers, how absolutely, I mean, I'd be absolutely terrified you're doing everything by sextant and, and sun and, and uh, I don't know, sand in a jar.
1: And, and, also, and fathoms.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I just let, let, let you know that a fathom is a, a unit of measurement of depth And it is six feet.
0: Oh, well done. We'll do that in inches and (laughs) centimetres in a a minute. So today we're looking at a fine antique map charts and plans from 16th to the 20th century. And I'm going to jump right ahead because when I was looking through the maps and and reading your brief, I see that you've got some art deco maps.
1: Yes, I think that these pictorial maps have become very desirable, collectible, very much in fashion. There have been a number of books Published on pictorial maps in the UK and in in the US. I mean, Art Deco is, a, is an art movement, and a stylistic movement that comes about in the twenties and really runs into the thirties and still spills over into the forties and, and then a little bit in the fifties.
0: So, nineteen twenties to nineteen fifties.
1: Well, it's really caught. It's really twenties thirties, really but but it but it its influence you know lingers a bit. So and
0: where did it start off? Design.
1: Probably Europe and probably Paris. Certain designers. I mean, you get it in all all manner of things. I mean, you get schools of art of that period, which are different schools of art, but you get it coming across in ceramics, and you get it in, in glass, and you get it in architecture. It's a period which is very rich in, in, in what it portrays. And it also, you know, reflects a period of early movies and um, early jazz and ballet, and it goes across many art forms and music. So, you know, a number of designers were particularly influential at that time. René Lalique is a glassmaker, you know, they, these people were moving from the early 20th century and producing fantastic design. So with the maps, we get to the maps, there were people who were designing, for instance, let's go to the French side, uh, Lucien Boucher, who was a French artist designer, produced maps for Air France and he produced maps in the 30s which were basically showing the extent of the airline, how far reaching they were. So if you look at a map that was, say, produced for Air France in 35, 36, and then another one in 39, already changed considerably. But by 47, which we have a map over here, which we can show you, it was covering quite a significant part of the world. And this, this is a really beautiful map, uh, which Lucien Boucher did in 1947 for Air France. And it's a sort of brown ground with these sort of orangey, reddy clouds. And, and you've got aeroplanes that are whizzing around the world. And you've got ships which are from galleons and, and then steamships and then Siamese barges. On the interior of, of the landmass, you've got people in native costume, but indigenous costumes. And you've got animals, bears in Russia and... I'm not sure that's a kangaroo. It might be a kangaroo in Australia and giraffe looks, in Australia. That looks like an emu. Oh, it's, it's an emu. It, you know, it's, it's very, very decorative. It's very beautiful. Um, but how accurate? Well, it's, it's the outline is, is fairly accurate, but it's not a precise map. So it's an outline and what it is doing, it's got these lines with dots showing where, you know, it, it originates in Paris and then they go to wherever they go across Europe. Short dots, and then it will also go to various parts of Africa, ending up in Johannesburg, I think, and then also getting to Madagascar. Um, in terms of Asia, it comes through India, and then it comes to Saigon, and it actually goes up to Hong Kong, and it goes up to Tokyo
0: because you've got also you've got um, you know what looks like a liner going across in the middle um, but down the bottom you've got sort of almost like a steamship with sails lovely thing but I mean is that you know it's 1947 so is there a little bit of nostalgia coming into here
1: I think there's a lot of nostalgia in this (laughs) and I mean you know it's a history of travel going on in there and
0: this would have been used as a travel poster or souvenir it's
1: like you know travel with Air France and see the world
0: yeah so you've got Art Deco, but let's me. So I've I've swung you to 1947. Take me right well, back.
1: Well, I was just going to show you. Then that there was another map that we we had uh, was was another one by Lucien Boucher, which was actually 1952. But they're very much in that style, yeah. which was a double hemisphere map of the world, um, and it was only five years later. But in this, he's copied uh, like a, a 17th century Dutch map of the world in style. But he's put all these figures around it, and, and then you've got these. Twin hemispheres, and then you've got, again, ships and boats and plants. But it's basically on a red ground and very blue. So the colour scheme is completely different, but very stylized. And if you go to his 30s maps, I remember there was one on this beautiful blue ground. So they're, 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 they're different colour registers, but each of them have their merit and, and are very attractive. So having started with the French uh, design, we're now going on to show you a map which was by a Chinese artist and, and a designer, who did this in the art deco period so I, I call this an art deco wall chart with chinese characteristics uh, this artist wen shi wang produced this magnificent wall chart which is entitled a birds eye view of peiping and environs and
0: peiping but- is beijing
1: and peiping is beijing absolutely and it was published there in 1936 and what it is is it's basically a tourist map and it shows beijing as a walled city in the lower right-hand corner, and then it has this sort of magnificent surrounding area where you can go and visit these beautiful sites, including historic buildings, beautiful mountains, mountain river landscape with a great wall in the distance. And then coming down valleys, you have these steam trains with smoke and yes. carriages. And these trains seem to appear in, in many different places. It's interesting.
0: Um, I mean, 1936, it's a nationalist period in China. So, But it's interesting because you've got this, this sort of pictorial aspect, as you say, of these pagodas and also the mountains and these routes. And then you've got modernity in the form of steam trains and a couple of factories outside as well.
1: And there's an index at the bottom of the map. And so 214 and 215 show us workshops of peiping Hankow Railway. Oh, so, wow. Well, and also, that's, of that's course... the railway works there, yeah. Yeah, you've got the
0: Peiping Telegraph Office... The Hotel de Peking, um, Imperial Ancestral Temple. So you, yes, it's it's uh, very much uh, detailed, and I presume some of this are also around the Forbidden City is hutongs.
1: Yes, there would be hutongs in here. But what they have got is they've got a n- n- number references to all the key buildings. And, mm. and a- underneath the reference to places of interest, city section, the numbers, um, and, and then it goes to the outer suburbs, and it explains. Um, there are an 218 places of note mm-hmm. listed, and they are both in English and in Chinese. Is it watercolour? It is printed colour. So it's a form of lithography... And it's been produced on a number of sheets. So it's been printed on three different plates. But it's a beautiful thing. it's not it, it just? It, yeah. yeah.
0: But also amazing to look at it. <laughs> if this is supposed to be 1936, it's like, if you think about how it would sprawl out now, I mean, it's very rural looking. Oh,
1: it is. I mean, beyond the city walls... Uh, It's very green and lush, and there's very little beyond the water, except for little pockets of buildings um, and then a few trees. And then the waterways, of course, are still there. So what you have is the waterways and canals and rivers depicted, which is the old way of travel. But what they're showing are the railways and uh, the railways coming into the inner part of the city, which was the, well, it was the present and future.
0: So this is a sort of a tourist plan of Beijing. Do you actually have other city plans here as part of your exhibition?
1: Yes, we do. So I'd like to take you over this side. This is a map of Yedo, or Tokyo, and it's uh, late 19th century, about 1880. And this one, unusually, is is steel engraving, because most of the prints that I see um, from this time from Japan are are woodblock. But it's very, very colourful. Lovely greens and pinks and uh, reds. So there's a, it's a detailed city plan showing the river and the city and the palace in the middle. And then on the outside, in black and white, you have the major sites which are depicted.
0: It's a, it's a completely different style, but as you say, the, the detail... Are these lithographs? Steel. Are these are steel,
1: little vignettes, yeah, yes. Yeah,
0: the vignettes around the side. Are, yeah, there's some... In something that is, how big would that be? But it's, it's not a large uh, piece, and uh, yet it's got a mass load of detail in it.
1: And the other aspect to it is, it's a bird's eye view again. Mm. Um, but this is a Japanese bird's eye view. So, um, in this exhibition, we've been lucky to have an English bird's eye view of Hong Kong, a Chinese bird's eye view of uh, Beijing, and now we have a Japanese bird's eye view. And and it's quite good, quite hard to do unless you've got an aeroplane uh, and doing it from that. But in those days, there were no aeroplanes, so they had to do it from imagination. So the way ah. they perceived it, they're looking down, but they have to they have to create that projection. Oh, how clever! Yeah, and that's very nice. And then then next to it, we have another Japanese map, which is of uh, Yokohama. And this one is in English. So it was done for the foreigners, the foreign community in Yokohama.
0: Was it published by, or is that an advert for Brett's Pharmacy? I think
1: they were probably the people who paid for the map mm. to be done as an advert. And... Uh, I think it's done in the early 1900s. An attractive map again, with uh, showing all the main buildings. Yeah, but that's almost
0: and... almost one that you could tuck in your pocket in a different kind of style, isn't it?
1: It, it is, and I think it actually probably names um, or has numbers on every single building.
0: Don't get lost in Yokohama. No,
1: <laughs> don't get lost in <laughs> Yokohama, yeah. This is a, a Chinese map, a new map of Shanghai. And this was published in 1945, July 1945. So literally just after the Second World War. And it is a new map of Shanghai. And inside, there are two insets of what they call the native city and the central district. And the central district gives you a close-up of the bund yes. and the area and the racecourse and all the main streets between those two areas. Very useful. So this, this folds into a little blue canvas hardboard cover. So it's literally a pocket map you can put in your pocket and take with you, and it's, it's it's a tourist map.
0: Very good. So the colours are pastel. It's it's basically yellow, pink, pink for the centre, uh, yellow for the surrounds, uh, occasional green to show green, and then uh, blue for the river. Um, but this is a new map of Shanghai done in 1945. So that's uh, and the drawing is by Xiao Cheng, um, and it's the first edition is July 1945.
1: Next to so this we have a a layout plan of New Delhi for use of the central public work department only, which means they probably only printed very few of them. But it's a layout of the new city, which literally was built in at that time. And this is circa 1938, so it was built in the 30s, the new Delhi. And to the north, at the top of the map, you just see a wall which is part of the old Delhi, which is much older, obviously. So, But this is map is very interesting because it was published at the Survey of India office, and I have never seen it before. Um, again, it's a folding map that goes into a little hardboard cover, which, again, you can probably put in your pocket and, and, and walk around with, but uh, it, it does show a very uh, interesting layout of the city. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So what, what, what's so very interesting about this one is it not, not only goes into the details of the streets and the houses but it also goes down to the golf links (laughs) and I've never seen this before but an architect friend of mine pointed it out to me he said what's so interesting Jonathan is it shows each each of the holes so you know there's 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 (laughs) the eighth hole and it shows one end to the other end you know but your starting point and where you finish so the whole layout of all 18 holes are shown
0: so a map for golfers well it's new a map delhi. for golfers and i've never seen
1: that before no, no. So that's
0: fascinating to yes me. it is yeah. yeah 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 really interesting so this is a layout plan of new delhi in 1938 that'll have changed some too so it's it's really uh, but I, I i find this whole wall really fascinating because we're, we're looking at three city plans here yokohama tokyo done in 1880 and so admittedly the, there's a time difference in terms of style and printing technique as well but also, I just think it's really interesting just to see different artists. You know, yes. Shanghai, nineteen forty-five. Yes, um, by a Chinese artists. Yeah. yeah, and it, it, it's yeah. Uh, that that yeah. is interesting in itself.
1: Yeah, and the survey of India would have been done by Indian artisans. Yes, yeah, it's interesting. And then and then I'm going to take you to, over the other wall over here, where we have another uh, couple of wall, uh, city plans. One is a very beautiful one called Plan de la Ville de Hanoi. And it was published by the Imprimerie um, Graphique du Bureau Topographique des Troupes de Landochine and in uh, September 1896. So this is a really scarce early city plan of Hanoi. And it's the only time I've seen it and the only time I've had it. And uh, although it's relatively small, and that's 45 by 36 centimetres, it has got a lot of details, and it shows the side of the river, the lake, the citadel, um, the various streets, um, and the main buildings. Um, so it's a very unusual map to have, the Hanoi. And then beside that, we've got another map, which is... Oh, Saigon. Plan of Saigon. So, Ho Chi Minh. Uh, or Ho Chi Minh, yes, which dates to about 1920. And again, it's from a... This one is from the Directory and Chronicle, so it's very precise and it shows the streets and the main buildings in this yellow and blue colour. But again, it's very scarce, one that I've probably only had once before, but quite interesting to see those two city plans as well.
0: Yeah, Vietnam.
1: So having covered a few other uh, cities in in East Asia, we're now going to go on to Hong Kong. We have a, a small collection of maps in this exhibition on Hong Kong. Obviously, we live here and we like to represent different periods and always have a selection each time we have an exhibition. So, um, and from time to time, have an exhibition purely on Hong Kong maps. So in this case, I'm gonna show you a couple of city plans and then maybe a few charts as well. What's in front of me is a map that was produced by the Japanese and um, the Japanese Imperial Railways did a guide to the railways of China um, which they produced in in 1915 and again in 1924. So there are two editions, and sometimes the maps change little and in others it changed quite a bit. And this one we're looking at here is classified as a railway map but it's really showing the trams of Hong Kong. And this one is the 1915 Hong Kong map.
0: Oh, so you've
1: uh, only had trams since 1904 at that point. Yes, and uh, you can see the tram lines, you know, which, um, you know, en- end up in, in Kennedy Town near the Rope Works, which I've shown here, um, near Belcher Street. So it, it, it ends there, the tram, and it goes all the way along to, well, it, it goes beyond what would become Victoria Park. Um, and towards North Point. So I don't know where it's actually ending at this point, but probably somewhere like North Point. Um, and then it would extend on further on. But I'm not quite sure where it goes to and the timing of the tram extension lines. But what is interesting is you've got various things on the waterfront, say, in the Wan area, proposed eastern prior rec- um, extension. and And then also you've got the main buildings that are shown, um in in the central area we'll have the new law courts and this is only a few years after they were completed the daily press office city hall yes supreme court city hall the city hall was um on the site where the hong kong bank is now ah. so that was the, uh, the old city so hall that was
0: a was sort of a town hall
1: yes it was a town hall it was a very beautiful building which was completed in, and opened in 1869. I've got various, uh, various photographs of that. But it was pulled down, I think, when they were building the, the uh, Hong Kong-Shanghai Bank of the 1930s. That's on that site, I think. Okay. Yeah. Oh, of
0: course, because City Hall, <laughs> when you said it, I was like, oh, I'm thinking of the sort of theatre place in 1962. Well, but, uh, yeah, because so
1: that was absolutely that was, different that was function. built around that yeah. time on, on nearer the waterfront or on the waterfront at that time. So
0: this City Hall, did it have more of a town hall function?
1: Yes, it did. I mean, it was—it was. They used to. It was a big. They had a big ballroom in there. They'd hold have oh, uh, like St. Andrews Day ball and oh, things like yes. that. They even had a museum in there at one time. So it's a very grand building with a big fountain out the front. And opposite was this arcade called the Beaconsfield Arcade, yes. which was I'd wonderful. I would love to have
0: gone there. Yeah. And there would have been all the photographer people that you've been talking <laughs> Absolutely. about. the Studios. Yes. I, 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 I would like to be transported back so I can just have a wander down
1: there. Well, one of the photographs we had one time was was. That, that side of City Hall with these horses and a big crowd and they were selling off racehorse, racehorses. They had an auction going on in front of the City Hall. I thought that was rather good. So this is, um, this is uh, from the Japanese Imperial Railways of 1915. So it's a detail map and it's rather interesting. This one we, we do get from time to time so it's less rare than say others but it's still very interesting. Another map. Which is from 1952. And
0: this is Victoria and Kowloon street plan and densities of population. Oh, and who would have put this out?
1: Her Majesty's stationery office and in uh, 1952. And uh, it shows basically the north side of Hong Kong and it shows all the roads. And then in colours between yellow and brown, it shows densities of population. And interestingly, the most densely populated areas are uh, Sai pun Taiping Shan, and part of Wan Chai.
0: Yeah, so absolutely on the Hong Kong Island side when you go over to Kowloon. So it varies from, as as uh, Jonathan's just said, you have this colour scheme going from a darker brown right through to a pale yellow. And it's, it's, it's five sections that go from the top one with the, the, the most densely populated areas is 1,200 to 2,000 persons per acre, which is also interesting as a geographical reference. And... Um, and then the, the one at the bottom is uh, below 200 person, uh, the one at the top is below 200 persons per acre. So once you're out of the Chimsa Choy up to Jordan, Monkok stretch, um, you don't have to go far up. I mean, you, you clear up Nathan Road and, uh, and you're into, well, white really. And so, I mean, that's extraordinary. 1952, you've got Kai Tak Airport, but no population around it. Taiwan, Chen, and in your you're heading out, uh, you know all of these areas that of course are so densely populated these days. So I think um, that's also interesting to see. Also to think, of course, that I sometimes, you know, 1952. We're talking 70 years ago now, 68, 70 years ago. So.
1: And I think that the population by that time may have just just gone over one million. Yes. So.
0: And is so about to change because yeah. of course you've got the communist revolution in 1949. Yes. Um, you're going to have. Yes. Yes. You know, already yes. your shanty towns, and I wonder yes. how, whether they actually depict this on here. You've got you've got your um, I, squatter huts starting to build.
1: Well, I don't think they do because I think this this map is fifty two published and printed, but the information it's related to I think is is like forty nine uh, uh, forty nine fifty. Yes. So so you'd, you need a one bit of a, a bit of a land, year or yeah. so later. Then if you yes. probably a year later if you did it or two years if it was actually showing fifty two it would be a different story, I think, yeah. you know.
0: No, it's, it's, it's so, I find yeah. it always with your maps, it's it's sort of the absolute story it tells from its time. I mean, because 1952, of course, 1953, you're going to have the big fire at Shepkit-May of, of the squatter huts on the hillsides there, and also really the foundation, the start of, of Hong Kong's public housing scheme. So, um, yeah, so this is Victoria and Kowloon, street plan and densities of population. Very interesting.
1: A little vignette. And... Uh, If we go over here on the wall, we can see there's a street map of Victoria, Hong Kong. Um, This is an old friend. We've seen it before because we made a reproduction of it. But if you remember, that was done with lots of red highlights, painted in red. This is in in the raw, So it's been published, we believe, uh, for the Peak Hotel, because in the right-hand corner is a photograph of the Peak Hotel. And uh, the actual map itself uh, city plan, sorry, should I say, shows the peak tram going to the hotel. It also shows highlights in dark colour, the peak road, which also getting up there. And it's it, a, a map that was probably given to people who are arriving by ship, who would then get off, at say, Blake's Pier, um, go by rickshaw or something to the peak tram and then up to the hotel. This This is a city plan for tourists.
0: Very interesting, yeah. Because you've got, uh, um, as you say, the 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 dark aspects are are going right up to, um, you know, the peak around Victoria Gap, Um, but uh, and then you've got some streets that are tailing off, which are obviously not this main drive going up up to the peak. But it's a street map of Victoria, Hong Kong, which is done in 1915 and and was organised by the Peak Hotel. And so, a super photo. Gosh, I mean, it just you can't keep the city as it ever was, but, um, you know, I do feel that, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> coming here in 93, I've really missed out on some of these magnificent big buildings.
1: Oh, yes, particularly um, at that you, time. When did you probably. come, your midnight I came in, I came in 84.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, so you still missed
1: well, uh, Chimsa
0: Choi Station and things like that? Yes, I yeah. missed
1: Chimsa Choi Station and I think I missed the Hong Kong Club, I think was being pulled down or being pulled down. I think the, the old Hong Kong Bank was hole in the ground, and, and also, uh, you know, Bank of China, which was the old Murray Barracks. All those were, were being pulled down and being resurrected, as it were, being, being re- rebuilt in some form or another, yes. On this wall, we also have this, this chart, which shows the approaches to Hong Kong in 1901, which is basically the Pearl River Delta um, so, so this it, is a
0: 1901 approaches to Hong Kong would have been done for whom and by
1: whom? This was done as an admiralty chart uh, for the Royal Navy or for people who who bought the map. They could also use it.
0: So they could commercial. sail in.
1: So they could sail in it, and it shows all the soundings and fathoms. It shows Macau on one side and it shows Lantau and Hong Kong and the Hong Kong area and the coastlines and the detail. And it's really a, a map for, for ships and for nautical people, people who were maybe yachting also if they were interested.
0: Am I staring at months of work?
1: You are staring at months and months of work and uh, people would do plot their courses. You can even see some of the pencil marks on it still.
0: My thanks to Jonathan Wattis at Wattis Fine Art in Hollywood Road. You can go and have a look at the 32nd Annual Mapping of Asia exhibition with antique and vintage maps from the 16th to the 20th century until... February the 27th. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.